The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 502 for January 24th, 2016. Samsung forced to stop selling certain phones due to patent issues, rumors about a smaller new iPhone, and lots of discussion around T-Mobile's in-flight texting and iMessage. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, first today, Samsung has been issued a court order to stop selling several smartphones after a new ruling in California. Judge Judy Koh granted Apple a petition to block the sale of certain handsets that were found to be in violation of Apple's patents. The court initially determined that a fine of $120 million was sufficient, but Apple appealed, and the appeals court agreed that the fine wasn't enough. They said the court finds that Apple will suffer irreparable harm if Samsung continues to use infringing features, and that monetary damages cannot adequately compensate Apple for this resulting imparable harm, or irreparable harm, and the balance of the equities and public interest favor enter. Uh, entry of a permanent injunction. Uh, Samsung is no longer allowed to sell the following devices. Those include the uh, Admire, the Galaxy Nexus, Galaxy Note, Note 2, Galaxy 2, Galaxy 2 Epic 4G Touch, uh, Galaxy uh, S2 Skyrocket, Galaxy S3, and the Stratosphere. A few of these phones actually are still for sale. Uh, however, some prepaid carriers are still selling the Galaxy S3 as a free or entry-level handset. Um, and it's also still being sold by Amazon.com. So it is not clear how quickly these retailers will have to pull the stock from uh, their shelves. But uh, either way, neither Apple nor Samsung commented on this recent decision. Well, by the time they get to the point where they get them off the store shelves, they will be completely out of uh, stock or no longer available for purchase because there's not a, you know, they don't have to do that this week. This will be, you know, months and months and months until that even takes effect, if that even applies to them, because I almost think some of these are for just importation only. But uh, swift justice here. Uh, Sarcasm is definitely implied. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting because you look at these these cases that happen and where you've got a, a ruling that gets made and then an appeal that happens and, and it just all takes time. And in the fast changing world uh, of tech and specifically on the smartphone side where you've got essentially a new phone coming out for each one of these major lines every 12 months, then you're talking about only two years down the road, three years down the road where it's finally taken this much time for these, uh, you know, these injunctions and these these petitions to be granted. And these phones are really no longer relevant now. Well, with the with the exception of the cost of this uh, litigation, you know, there's really no uh, there's no reason not to infringe on other companies' patents for stuff like this because this is exactly what happens. By the time it gets through the system, it's already done and gone. So it, it's really a uh, it, it's it, you know it's something different needs to occur in technology like this, like you said, because it's way too fast for the speed of the justice system. Yeah, and it's interesting when I when I think about you know where uh, you know where the the world came from, where you essentially had you know relatively few patents, uh, where it just had to do with things like the technology that was being used for the actual conversation, you know, or for the uh, uh, for the transmission to you know now then we we moved into okay well we need protocols for texting and stuff like that, and just think about the complication that you have today with uh, with a device like an iPhone or an Android device where you've got so many different ways to interact with the device and so many different things that are being put into this that it, it there there's so many things that can easily be infringed on and whether or not the the competition actually finds out that they're 
they're doing these things is, uh, you know, it, it may or may not occur. So uh, either way, I, I, I look at, you know, a, a win like this for Apple as nothing more than, you know, almost like a, a snapshot in time of uh, a device that was created um, to be specifically infringing on specific Apple devices at that time. And, uh, you know, moving forward with new devices, certainly there's there's not going to be much difference in the way that these devices that are made. Um, and, uh, you know, it's 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 probably really not going to affect much of anything here. Most of us are not going to be going out and buying Galaxy S3s here anytime soon. So uh, either way, uh, Apple did get a win on that, and so those phones will no longer be sold. Multiple consumer action groups have petitioned the FCC to install regulations that would protect the privacy of the nation's wired and wireless broadband users. The groups believe that broadband providers, including AT&T, Cablevision, Comcast, Verizon, and others, should be subject to tough privacy standards. These companies collect a large amount of data from customers in order to serve ads, and this can create an effect on speech and increase the potential for discriminatory practices derived from data use, said the groups in the letter to the, they wrote to the FCC. Some of the signees include the ACLU, the Center for Digital Democracy, Consumer Watchdog, the EFF, and Public Citizen. FCC Chairman Tom Wheeler agrees that broadband providers need to secure and consumer data they collect um, and should make sure consumers know what's being collected and give them the choice in whether or not they want to participate in this. The FCC, however, did not immediately comment on the group's letter. And Foxconn on Thursday offered to buy Sharp for $5.3 billion, according to the Wall Street Journal. Foxconn's offer comes as Sharp is considering a buyout from the Innovation Network Corporation of Japan. Analysts cited by the Wall Street Journal and Reuters believe the final decision will be political and not a business decision. Foxconn is based in Taiwan. Verizon early this week revealed Freebie Data. This is a program that will allow consumers to access select data without it counting against their monthly data buckets. The program has two business models, according to Verizon, both targeting content providers more than the end user. Freebie Data 360 allows content providers to let consumers access some of their web or application data at no cost. The content providers will be charged on a per gigabyte basis for what consumers use. The second tier, called Freebie Data, is less intensive uh, and lets content providers sponsor specific consumer actions per click, such as streaming music or watching mobile videos. Verizon is launching Freebie Data 360 on a trial basis, which allows all content providers to target Verizon's entire postpaid consumer base. The Freebie Data program kicks off on January 25th, and Verizon says a few brands have already signed up for the per- pay-per-click service, including Hearst, AOL, and Game Day. Verizon is limiting tests of this to just 1,000 customers initially, and consumer launch is expected later in the year. Sponsor content will be uh, sig- will be signified by the presence of a free B icon, which will appear next to content links. Yep, here it comes. You know, here every uh, service provider that's providing internet service will start doing this now. We've you know started seeing uh, kind of the rumors of this uh, happening. You know, for for a bunch of years now. But uh, now that we have these, you know, very small data buckets with mobile and so many people are using mobile for their Internet connection, uh, this is where it's going to start setting the precedent. And we see, you know, like the likes of Comcast and some of the other, you know, cable providers that, you know, you provide your home Internet connection. Uh, You know, Comcast has a has a data restriction, you know, 250 gigs data cap. And it's been off for a bunch of years, but it's now starting to uh, kick in again at lower amounts. And this is exactly what will happen is that that number will start backing down, backing down. And in order for you as a customer to even 
essentially use your internet connection anymore. You're going to have to go with a provider that has a, you know, has one of these uh, back deals with the content provider, thus completely uh, eliminating net neutrality. And again, we're going to get back to this and it's just not, uh, it, 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 completely defies what the internet's supposed to be is, you know, free and clear of this, uh, of any sort of, you know, priority or, uh, you know, that this is not doing the priority of service, but it's doing the, the, the amount of data, which, you know, it's almost the same thing. Well, and it, I, I do think it's going to be interesting be, with, with Verizon running a service like this because, you know, they are not only a wireless carrier, but they're a wireline carrier as well for both uh, the traditional POT service, but then also with their new Fios stuff that they have in, in a number of different areas. And so that provides not only the the, the wire, wired data, but also uh, over um, their service as well. You can get TV content and you can also get your phone service. So there's, there's all sorts of different things that they're going to run into here. And so if they they've got back deals with a company that's providing them. Um, let's just say as a, w- one of the content providers uh, for, for the cable service, and perhaps then they could cut a deal with them for the wireline service as well um, for the wired internet service. And then also potentially for wireless. I mean, there's, there's interesting things that could be happening there behind the scenes that consumers aren't going to know about. And it just, it, it, it's not a, uh, the way that you'd like to see this stuff go, but uh, either way, this is just in a trial basis right now. I would imagine that they're gonna they're gonna continue to roll this out as we go through the next couple of a uh, couple of months here, and we'll ultimately by the end of the year have a better sense of what this is going to mean and how uh, the, the the services that you use if you're a Verizon customer are going to be affected or not affected, as the case may be. It just it all depends. And you know, when you, I think there's still going to be the opportunity for as a consumer to pay for as much data as you want uh, and to use it in, in whatever way that you want. Um, that is, that is one thing that they're basically they're doing here is they're, they're zero rating these particular services. So they're not using your data uh, versus, you know, as of yesterday or whenever, before these services started, those were always using your data in the past. So uh, it may be pushing people to use one service over another, but I guess at the same time, it you know, hopefully, and I guess this is a fingers crossed thing, won't raise your cost if you don't use them. Yeah. And that's where I'm, I'm feeling we're going to go that direction because the, the data caps will start backing down uh, and get closer and closer to nothing. And then that's where it all of a sudden becomes, oh, well, now to use Netflix, Netflix has to pay for it, but then your, you know, your rate to Netflix then has to be much bigger. So that's what I, that's what I'm envisioning. Um, you know, when we get anything like this. Well, and it's the, um, and that's interesting because it is that slippery slope, right? Of if we start today at un- essentially unlimited data, and then you go to a, a cap of 250, and then 200, and maybe it's even 100 gigs a month, um, it, it's it's going to fall pretty quickly. I mean, three gigs a day is is really not all that much on a wired network and your home network. So, um, you know, in fact, if you think about like what 250 gigs is, that's essentially what is it, eight gigs a day or something like that, eight or nine gigs. Um, not all that much if you do a lot of streaming. Uh, and so it's it's amazing how just how quickly you can go through that. So a um, lot to watch here. And uh, certainly we'll be looking to see if AT&T decides to jump in on something like this, because again, they have the same type of infrastructure that they're trying to work through as well, uh, especially now that they've got uh, their direct TV tie in there as well. Verizon releasing the company's financial report for Q4 this week, showing solid performance and higher than expected earnings. The company brought in $34.25 billion in revenue, higher than the previous quarter of $33.2 billion. And they brought in also 1.5 million new postpaid customers to its network. They now have 112.1 million customers, 106.5 million total postpaid connections. Uh, For the full 
year 2015, Verizon totaled $131.6 billion in consolidated revenues. That is up 3.6% compared to 2014. T-Mobile owned Metro PCS is targeting Sprint customers with a new service and handset discounts. Starting January 21st, Sprint, Boost Mobile, and Virgin Mobile customers who switch to Metro PCS can save up to 50% off of Sprint's family share pack pricing. For example, a single line ported can save 22%, while two or more lines save 50%. Metro PCS says actual savings will vary depending on location, and of course that's based on taxes. But customers who switch can keep a lower rate as long as they remain a Metro PCS customer. Promotion includes unlimited talk and text in North America, Music Unlimited, and Mobile Hotspot. Metro PCS is offering switch a free LG Leon uh, LTE, a Kyocera Hydro Wave, a Samsung Core Prime, an LG K7, or $50 rebate that can be applied to any other fold phone sold by MetroPCS. Lastly, the carrier is offering existing customers a $20 discount when adding an extra 5-gig line. MetroPCS and T-Mobile said the promotion will be available for a limited time but didn't provide an exact end date. Cricket Wireless is looking to entice people to switch over to its network by offering discounts on smartphones. Beginning on the 22nd, customers who ported their number to Cricket can buy the Samsung Galaxy S6 for $400. That's $100 off the normal retail price. Cricket is making similar discounts ranging from $20 to $50 available on a dozen other devices, including the OneTouch Idle 3 by Alcatel for only $110 and the ZTE Grand X Max for $100. The promotions run for a limited time. In device news, Apple is said to be planning the launch in March or April for a new 4-inch phone. While previously rumored under the name iPhone 6C, the new device will reportedly be called the iPhone 5SE. This phone is to resemble the iPhone 5S in many ways, with curved edges in place of the chamfered edges on the older phone. According to 9to5Mac, the 5SE will feature um, those shiny engines we just mentioned. Also, the same 8-megapixel rear camera and 1.2-megapixel front cameras as the iPhone 6. Also, support for larger panoramas and autofocus for video recording, a barometer, for tracking elevation in the health app, an NFC chip for Apple Pay, the A8 and M8 chips from the iPhone 6, Bluetooth 4.2, voiceover LTE, and 802.11 AC Wi-Fi chips, the same from the iPhone 6S, also live photos from the iPhone 6S, and the same silver, space gray, silver, and rose, rose gold color options as the iPhone 6S line. Um, even though the iPhone is said to have live photo support, it will apparently lack the 3D touch display, presumably um, if it's needed, the iPhone 5SE will let users view live photos with a long press uh, as it does now, and uh, some others will iOS devices that uh, don't have the 3D Touch support. The new 4-inch phone is supposedly heading uh, for a March unveiling with a release sometime in early April. And this makes sense because, you know, the, the 5S is getting old, the 5C is getting old because the the 5C was based on the, the, the iPhone 5 uh, as, as far as the internals go. And it makes sense that this device would be based on the iPhone 6 internals uh, with the smaller screen. But that's where the, that's where the, the, the key is here is that the, the smaller screen is being kept. But it makes sense because they still have the iPod Touch at the 4-inch. And we, of course, have, you know, billions of 4-inch devices out there with the iPhone 5 and the iPhone 5S. And this may this kind of just make sure that developers 
keep supporting that screen size at least for a little bit while longer. But it also gives people an option to have a, basically a modern phone with the 4-inch screen because not everyone wants the, the, the bigger 4.7-inch screen. I like that size, but I do not want any bigger. But I know a lot of people who, you know, like the 4-inch size screen. And, and I was, you know, working on an iPhone 5 the other day. And I'm like, you know, this phone's actually kind of nice. It's kind of small, nice to hold on to. So uh, there's definitely a trade-off there. So I think it's good that they've got this uh, phone in the works because it keeps that, uh, that third screen size available. I totally agree. I think that a lot of people, as you mentioned, don't want the bigger size and to give me the, the better internals for it. And, and I can, can, you know, pay a little bit less and, and get the size that I want. So makes a lot of sense and we'll see how they, uh, how they, how they shake this thing out. But I would absolutely agree that this is going to, uh, this is going to still fill a niche that a lot of people are looking to, which is that, that smaller four inch size. And for colors, you said silver twice. And I believe you meant uh, the, the regular gold color. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, so it's silver, space gray, gold, and rose gold. Yeah, obviously those are the four colors. T-Mobile announcing on Tuesday that the BlackBerry Priv will reach company stores January 26th. The customers who choose T-Mobile's jump-on-demand leasing program can get the Priv for no money down and monthly payments of $34 or $30, depending on the length. The Priv uh, is open to all uncarrier benefits, including Music Freedom and Binge On. It also runs Android and has a slide-out QWERTY keyboard. It's being sold already by AT&T and will be soon sold by Sprint and Verizon. Samsung announcing this week that it has updated the Note 5's internal hardware to prevent the S Pen from becoming stuck. They said Samsung can confirm that the Note 5 internal S Pen mechanism has been changed to avoid the issue caused by inserting the S Pen incorrectly. As always, we recommend following proper instructions for storing the S Pen. Early buyers of the Note 5 discovered that the S Pen could become permanently lodged in the stylus's housing if inserted inserted blunt end first. Samsung did not say uh, if uh, the, when the issue was corrected, nor how customers can tell if their Note 5 contains the updated hardware. So don't go trying to put it in the wrong way because you just might get it stuck. Apple on Tuesday releasing iOS 9.2.1 to the public, relatively minor in scale. The focus of the update under the hood performance improvements and bug fixes, including a, a fix for a mobile device management issue affecting enterprise customers. 9.2.1 will be followed by 9.3, which has also been ceded to developers for testing. Set to be released in the spring, 9.3 offers the new night shift feature to cut down on blue light exposure in the evening and also brings new educational features. Apple on Wednesday also offered uh, a new application for music makers. First off, it pushed out a major update for GarageBand and iOS, including live loops. Apple says DJ equipment inspired live loops, and anyone can create looping rhythm or backing tracks using cells, columns, and grids within GarageBand. The app also adds a new drummer feature with nine EDM and acoustic session drummers, as a wider selection of virtual amps and bass players are also in there. The app also has been optimized for the iPad Pro, but adds 3D touch support for the iPhone 6 and 6S Plus uh, versions. The GarageBand 2.1 update is available for free in the iTunes Music App Store. Um, also, Music Memos, inspired by the iOS Voice Memo application, is a tool meant to help musicians quickly and easily record and organize their musical ideas. The app can record any instrument through the built-in mic, analyze the rhythm of chords and guitar and piano tracks, and then automatically add bass and drum ac- uh, accompaniments. Music Memos provides basic notation, uh, as well as can display uh, which chords have been played. And lastly, the app syncs with iCloud, so Music Memos are available across Apple devices. Music Memo is free to download through the App Store. That sounds like fun. I wish I was a musician. Yeah, absolutely. I, I look at these things and I think, boy, there's so many creative, you know, things that can be done with the iOS devices, and I take advantage of none of them. I use 
mail and messages and <laughs> Evernote and it's like, hey, I was these... using my phone for um, for actually playing music the uh, yesterday. Okay, so I mean, I do that actually a ton now. Um, but you know, certainly it's yeah, I'm, I'm not creating anything. But anyway, some pretty neat stuff here with the new GarageBand in Music Memos. Have fun if you are uh, the musician type. Microsoft updating Word, Excel, and PowerPoint for iOS, adding a handful of new features. Most significantly, support for 3D Touch for the 6S and 6S Plus, which can be used to call up actions, actions such as opening and creating files. All three apps also gain support for the Apple Pencil for use with the iPad Pro and compatibility with iOS 9's Spotlight Search tool. Excel, Word, and PowerPoint are free to download. They require a subscription to Office 365 to take advantage of all the features. Google made it possible to install applications onto Android phones directly from Google search results this week. A new tool bypasses the Play Store entirely, though the link to the Play Store is still available for those seeking more details about the application. Free apps can be installed from the search results with a single tap. The feature is being rolled out to users over time, but is available on many accounts immediately. Microsoft on Wednesday updating Skype for Android with calling and messaging in Outlook from Skype easily by tapping on the contact's name and using the scheduling tool to send the invite. Skype also supports Word, PowerPoint, and Excel documents, which can be opened directly from the application within a chat thread. Users who have not already downloaded Microsoft's Office applications will be prompted to do so uh, before they can be opened uh, before they can open the shared file in Skype. Skype for Android is free to download from the Google Play Store. And Google preparing an update that will make Chrome faster than ever. The company is planning to use a new compression algorithm called Brotly. Brotly. Uh, according to Google's engineers, they say that it can compress websites in a way that makes them 26% smaller than the current algorithm algorithm. Smaller websites uh, will take less time to transit wireless networks, and uh, the next version of Chrome for desktop and mobile devices um, will uh, both feature this new algorithm. Uh, It's possible Google will push out the new build uh, through its beta channel first. In other software news, WhatsApp on Monday dropped its annual subscription fee. The messaging service has been offered a new has been offered to new users free for the first year, but then required a nominal payment of a dollar for every year after that. WhatsApp says it's removing the fee from all versions of its application around the world so people can remain in touch without worrying about the fees. WhatsApp says it will not turn on uh, turn to ads to generate revenue. Instead, they will test tools that will let you use WhatsApp to communicate with businesses and organizations that want to hear from you, including banks, airlines, and others who communicate regularly with consumers to do business. WhatsApp is nearly 1 billion users around the world and is now owned by Facebook. Um, if you're not using WhatsApp, um, it's it's probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, way to communicate um, uh, outside of text messaging around the world. And most people uh, that I know that uh, communicate internationally are using this over like a Facebook messenger or something else. So, uh, But anyway, it's now free. So if you happen to have not checked it out because the $1 fee scared you off, it's now uh, not going to cost you anything if you'd like to download it and use it. Starbucks this week expanding one of its mobile applications to include Spotify-backed music discovery. People who visit Starbucks stores will be able to use the Starbucks mobile application to discover what songs are being played in-store and save those songs to a personal Spotify playlist. Users will be able to view recent recently played songs, loves, love the songs that they like to boost their vi- visibility, and also share songs to social networks. The music discovery service is available to Spotify's free and premium customers. 
beginning later this month. Starbucks app will also begin highlighting emerging artists to help expose them to larger audiences. The music discovery tool is uh, available to both Android and iOS versions of the Starbucks mobile application and can be used at some of the 7,500 Starbucks stores around the U.S. Uh, The company has held a similar promotion uh, partnership with Apple that allowed iTunes users to see and purchase the current overhead track when logged into a Starbucks Wi-Fi connection. You know, this is kind of silly, but I have to hand it to Starbucks for seemingly, uh, you know, keeping uh, current or trying new things with their in-store experience app thing. Where you know, they were very early on with the the in-store payment. Uh, you know, they've now have ordering, which is you know that's a little late. But uh, this is kind of an interesting thing, and it, it makes kind of sense because people do kind of associate coffee houses with music, and to be able to kind of create a uh, another interface for the music instead of just wondering, oh, what song is playing. Or of course now you know using the uh, using like that uh, Shazam to find out what the or, or Siri what's playing on the thing. This gives you ability to kind of make it interactive, which is kind of neat. Yeah, it is. And I mean, to your point, I think a lot of people enjoy, you know, kind of discovery of, of music in a different way, uh, especially at a coffee shop than they do elsewhere. Uh, you know, I always I like to check out whether it's a Starbucks or a Pete's or wherever. I love listening, um, just sitting in there listening to the music and, and kind of feeling like I'm I'm just discovering music, uh, you know, without really having to do a whole lot of work. And so it is nice to see that they're, you know, trying to expand on that with some additional functionality. So kind of a neat, kind of a neat thing. Uh, Facebook on Thursday announcing Sports Stadium. This is a hub dedicated to sports and communities that support and discuss them. So Sports Stadium accumulates all content on Facebook related to sports. And so you'll be able to see live scores, stats, and play-by-play action, as well as posts from friends and their comments on games and plays, posts from commentary in the leagues, and as well as expert and journalist commentary as well. It's rolling out initially in the U.S. for American football, but there will be support for basketball, soccer, and other sports in other countries over time. It will be accessible first only from the iPhone and with uh, additional platforms rolling out over the next couple of weeks. And checking the weather via Google Search on Android received an update this week. Searches in the Google application for weather will include far more information than before with the new design. So the application will change colors in response to sky conditions, time of day, and the season. The refreshed weather report will show snow, uh, show precipitation potential, severe weather alerts, air quality and UV index, as well as sunrise and sunset times, and a look ahead at the 10-day forecast. Users will be able to save favorite locations, which will be a available in the drop-down tool. The Google search app for Android is free from the Google Play Store. We've got three questions, uh, actually the three comments this week, um, and they're all related to the same thing, which is our commentary last week on the T-Mobile texting and, and kind of the, the integration of, of how that is or isn't uh, in iMessage here. So first off is a comment from Kyle, and he says, So Mickey, related to your experience with the T-Mobile in-flight texting, I face the exact same issue, um, but have a simple resolution. Just turn off iMessage prior to your flight. This will ensure that all messages are sent as SMS. Yes, they will send as SMS, but you won't receive any messages if you have other iMessage devices. You'd have to literally take, uh, you know, somebody like me who has like three Macs and, and an iPad and and an iPhone, I'd have to turn iMessage on, off on all of those devices in order for receiving messages to still work because if the other person has an iPhone, they'll send you a message. It'll get delivered via iMessage still. As long as you've got one device logged into, I guess at this point it would be your iCloud credentials that has iMessage turned on. So that, that's actually a really good point um, as, you know, if you're an iPhone, 
iPhone, iPad, Mac toting person, you've got all these Macs. I've got one, but I also have these other devices. And yes, so that is a an interesting resolution here, Kyle, and an interesting point, Joey, on, on a way why this wouldn't work. But um, anyway, he uh, Kyle also says, in addition, when you turn off iMessage, um, you know, the phone will attempt to message you the messages um via sms at that point um as i always love the show keep up the great work congrats on the 500 shows kyle so one other thing i want to point out with this is i've noticed that i've got some iphone friends people that i know that friends that are using iphones that when i message them i still see their messages and they get delivered as text and so i wondered about that and uh, i was asking one of them at one point and they said well i just when i set it up it asked me if i wanted to turn on iMessage and i I didn't know what it was, so I just said no. And I said, well, that's kind of an interesting thing. And I thought, well, you don't have an iPad, so you don't really use a Mac. It's just you have the iPhone and you use your Windows computer. So what do you care about iMessage? You may as well just use it over text, right? I mean, it's just easy way to go. Exactly. And it, of course, in situations like this, it's definitely more reliable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up here is a comment from Joseph. He says, interested in your conversation with Joey on show 501. To me, the thing that's always been a major defect of the implementation of iMessage is the problem that it only really works reliably and properly if you have a data connection. If you're in a situation where you have uh, you don't have a data, either because you're not able to access Wi-Fi or you don't subscribe to a data plan for your phone, or even if you do subscribe a data connection, um, but it, you don't have it available. Uh, you could also access your carrier's connection to their network, but normal SMS will not work because it's not a data connection. So to me, what really should happen is there should be no possibility, um, if there's no possibility to send your text message through iMessage, the service should have the ability to automatically change from iMessage to SMS so it can the message can be delivered. Right now, if you send a text through iMessage to another iMessage user, the message will just not be delivered until a data connection is available. Again, this is a major problem with it since there, uh, it means there's no reliability in the messages that can be delivered uh, as to and have the message delivered reliably and having a data connection. So the data connection, though, would be different depending on the conditions, meaning it's not always available. So, you know what the problem is here is that it, 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 it's, it's goofy and it's unpredictable and you can't control it and you don't really have a, a way to, to take somebody who, who's sending you an iMessage to get delivered to you if you don't have a data connection. And then, of course, like in your situation, is sending them is also kind of difficult. You have a little bit more control on your device, but you don't over the incoming uh, things. What, what, it, what it really almost needs to be is just separated from SMS entirely where you have your green friends and blue friends, but there is absolutely no interaction, no way to send as SMS, no way to get this confused. And that's probably what the, the problem is here. Either that or Apple should create a system where iMessage itself can relay uh, SMS messages through their servers and, and translate them. Uh, you know, it maybe uses some sort of internal codes where it can send them, you know, send as SMS from you to Apple instead of to directly to the other user, where then Apple will deliver it as an SMS or through iMessage if they have a data connection and vice versa, where they deliver it to you via a, a coded SMS uh, to your phone number that then looks like it's coming from the person, uh, you know, something like that, because this, you know, the way this is, uh, the way this works, it's just, it, it, who knows, you've got your hands up in the air because you can't figure it out and you can't force it to do this. Uh, like we said earlier, if you turn off iMessage, if you just have an iPhone, then it works, but every other situation, it just does not. It is an interesting conundrum because iMessage was created in a time that unlimited text messaging plans were 
were not the norm, but they were starting to come into to fashion, I guess I'll call it. And so this was a nice thing because you were just able to send all these messages and you weren't have to, you weren't counting um, all of your, your text messages. And, uh, and then shortly thereafter, text messaging became unlimited pretty much by every carrier. And so that kind of knocked that out of it. But then you still had the, well, I want to sync my, you know, my, my messages across my different devices, which is something, you know, that I do quite often is that I, I, I get my messages um, on an iPad or on my watch or on my Mac. Um, you know, I'm at home. I don't really carry my phone around. It just it gets, sits on the dock when I, I'm at work. It, my phone often sits on my desk and I don't deal with it. I deal with another device. And so it, it's nice to have those messages go around. And then now with the latest implementations where essentially you've got um, the, the, the text messaging data is now um, coming over a data connection on a device that doesn't have a phone built into it. So as an example, on an iPad, you're still able to get your text messages, even if you're not in the continuity, uh, you know, range or in the same room as, uh, as the phone, which is a nice thing. Same thing with the Mac is that you can text your heart desire, um, with certain carriers, i.e. T-Mobile as the example, uh, without having to worry about, um, whether or not you, you're on an iMessage message or a text message. It just all works and it's all pretty seamless. And so at this point, it's almost like, what do I even care about iMessage anymore? And I guess, you know, the one advantage that it still has is, you know, that I'm able to, um, you know, to send an essentially an unlimited amount of characters. But I, I don't know that that's really as big of an issue with text messaging anymore either. So Well, it is, but there's the, the read receipts and the delivered receipts, which is the big deal. And of course, the pictures and the media. And uh, yeah, and you're right, right about the, uh, the relay. Of course, you know, for those of us uh, like on Verizon, it still needs the phone to do the uh, the continuity with the the text messaging on your you know iPad and, and Macs. But of course, it's it's way better than it used to be, where there, that just did not exist. Yeah, I mean, if I wanted to today, if I would happen to find myself in a in a Wi-Fi enabled area, and I, I'm, as I'm thinking about this, I could probably just do this with the iPad with the personal hotspot turned on. I could turn on the personal hotspot. My watch could be connected over the Wi-Fi connection on my iPad. And I could just take my iPad and my watch and and go out. And I would be able to get all of my messages and be able to interact with my watch and do quite a bit of stuff without my phone. I don't actually need my phone because of the way that T-Mobile has implemented this stuff. All my calls will still come through, both on my watch and on the iPad. I don't need the phone to do that. All the text messages come through. It's all data. And so um, things are changing here. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if iMessage decides to change anything in the process. I love the idea, Joey, of having all of the messages come in and be relayed through the same type of means. And I'm not sure how that is, whether that it seems like it would be data versus the, the SMS protocol, but perhaps I'm wrong on that. I don't know. Well, and that's what it is. I mean, we kind of just need more reliable data again, and that's kind of getting back to the the gist of it. And, you know, I, I think as more people use, you know, WhatsApp or more people use iMessage or somebody builds some sort of interface with SMS, I, I, you know, it's it, it, it's a strange, you know, where are we going to go from here to, to make this better, like a situation like this better? And I, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. And um, let me just read Mike's comment here because it's kind of the same as what Kyle was mentioning here. But he said, love the show, longtime listener. Um, I know the issues you've had with the in-flight texting. I ran into the same thing on my past flights. I realized that that best way um, to message on the plane is to turn off iMessage before the flight. And uh, if it's off, the other person's iPhone should automatically realize you're not using it and reply with a normal SMS. T-Mobile's help document suggests that you turn on send by SMS for you and the other people that you plan on messaging. But this is way more difficult than just turning off iMessage. Um, 
um, but it is your call. And that was another thing is that, um, you, you know, who, who is going to necessarily do this? Um, and further, I think this is actually where I ran into this issue is that I have it set up so that um, I don't need all of my devices, uh, you know, to or all my devices are, are kind of independent now and managing SMS and iMessage. They don't need the phone to do this. And so even though I turned on send, I think it's called send as SMS on the phone before I got on the flight, I text Joey. And Joey would get the message, but then he would reply and it would come through as an iMessage. Same thing was happening with my sister and other people that I was messaging. And so it just, um, it, it was like, it didn't, it didn't realize, or the system doesn't realize that, uh, that I'm not available. Uh, and because the message can go through from their device, uh, to Apple, and then it just sits there until it can be delivered to me. So, um, a little frustrating here. And to your point, great. I can turn off iMessage if that's I'm only using it on one device. And certainly I'm not going to open up my laptop and my iPad and my phone and do all of this. And uh, so I, I ultimately ended up, I, I did on the on the flight back after I was with Joey, I did turn it on. I, I logged in. Uh, for whatever reason, it, it was reliably connected the entire flight. It never logged off the Wi-Fi, so that was cool. Uh, however, I didn't get any SMS messages, but I did send some to really myself. I sent them to Evernote um, and uh, as I was making notes to myself, which... I don't even know why I did that. I could have just made the notes in the Evernote application, but I just thought it was cool to be able to send data from the air, and so that's what I did. And of course, my recommendation for this, either you subscribe to the in-flight Wi-Fi where you can actually get data, send and receive data through iMessage normally, or just don't bother. Yeah, well, I know, I know, but it's it was, again, one of those like... Well, I know, just, I know. I'm just, uh, just giving you a hard time now. I have the ability to do this. So I must do it. <laughs> I, I must take it crazy. Adva- I Great, must take advantage. Yeah, drive you crazy. Drive every all the listeners crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, so anyway, um, that's that's kind of that. Um, you know, and, and ultimately, I think um, you know, I, I think this this is is a nice thing that T-Mobile offers. Uh, in fact, I was going back and I was I was uh, looking at the uncarrier announcements. They they came T-Mobile came out with an interesting. Um, ad campaign this week. Uh, if you watch network TV, you've probably seen the new Verizon ads where they've got the the balls that are rolling down what looks like kind of a roller coaster thing. And the number of balls is the number of, I don't know, awards or the number of, uh, you know, different pl- cities that this, uh, you know, they, they've won, uh, won out over the other networks, which is, is obviously a, um, you know, there have been some very interesting studies that have, uh, that have kind of shown that Verizon generally has the best coverage and certainly from our experiences you know we know this and most uh, most everyone knows this as well that generally Verizon um, does have pretty solid coverage and uh, but anyway so they came up with this ad campaign to kind of like it's like ball busting or something like that or busting Verizon's balls or some very interesting uh, double entendre there but uh, anyway so the uh, as I was reading through this press release and I was seeing all of the different things that they've essentially released over time and kind of of how things have changed with the new extended range LTE and stuff. I started looking back at these um, these different uncarrier announcements that they had, and I realized that the one that where they announced the in-flight texting was the same one where they announced the in-home hotspot thing as well, which is now I, I can't believe it, but it's already you know well over a year old that a year ago that they've had this uh, out, and so um, you know the 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 uh, T-Mobile Wi-Fi service that's out there is is something that still feels like a relatively new thing to me because I haven't been using it for all that long, but it's been around for quite a while for a lot of people, and uh, very interesting to see that. 
um, that it's, you know, it's still essentially using the same equipment as it was then. And I don't know that there's anything better today, but um, certainly it's it's working out pretty well. And I have to report after a couple of weeks here of using uh, the Femto cell, the LTE Femto cell that T-Mobile has, that's working splendidly for me. And uh, essentially I'm, I'm using that, you know, very reliably and I've been pretty happy with the results on that. So that's all pretty good stuff there. So that is it for today. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com or give us a call 650-999-0524 and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at the cell phone junkie.com.